college basketball tournaments are back, and so are brackets. Get comfy on your couch, turn off that Zoom camera, and sign up for your men's and women's USA Today sports bracket. Register at brackets.usatoday.com. Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. You know, all I'd say is is, uh, New Orleans has been amazing to me and my family. We're in the process of building our home right now here. Uh, this is home, regardless of where the rest of my career takes me. Um, you know, my kids have all been born here, and the, the, the fans and our supporters, it's just been exceptional. And so um, that's all I got. Well, it's not every day, John, that the GM, the head coach, a bunch of players release statements or make social media posts about the punter after he's released from the team, right? And I just think Thomas Morstead is a different kind of cat when it comes to the Saints and the city of New Orleans. I think this is a move, him getting released, that you saw coming. You talked about it last week, actually, but maybe it's a move that makes sense for the team and all that, but definitely a tough one all around. You could see it, and I just thought it was telling watching the video of Morstead in the car. I think his wife was driving him to, like, Will Lutz's bachelor party or something <laughs> it's just something really there's something really authentic about seeing Morstead him talk about his tenure with the Saints how disappointed he was to be moving on um, how much he'll miss uh, you know the team and all that I don't know man it was it was super authentic I wanted to get your take on that video and and the Saints decision to move on from him yeah man uh, you know the saying it, it, it's passed around a lot among athletes in the world it, it, it's what Drew Brees told Zion Williamson after the Pelicans drafted him was if you love this city, it will love you back. And Thomas Morstead really got that message. He really took that to heart. You know, he, he was so big in the community, such a great, such a great guy in the locker room, um, just, just so widely loved. And I think he, he will remain so. I mean, he, he, he and his family are building a new home in New Orleans now uh, that he plans to retire in someday. Hopefully not too soon. He does want to continue playing. Uh, but he got it. I mean, he understood the culture of the city and what it means to be a New Orleanian. And you just look at what he was involved with, with the Thanksgiving donations every year. And the, you know, it's not as well known as the Mardi Gras parade, but the Irish Channel parade in New Orleans or on St. Patrick's Day every year. Uh, he, he was always out there leading a walking troop and uh, just mixing it up with fans, buying sandwiches for everybody. Uh, just just an all-around great guy, very community-minded, um, and he's very widely respected and very well-loved in, in New Orleans. And he's someone that, you know, he's a, saint, he's a saint for life. No matter who he ends up finishing his career with, whoever he's punting with um, next season, uh, if he does catch on with another roster, He's coming back to New Orleans at some point, and the city's going to welcome him back with open arms. Yeah, I would suggest any Saints fan listening who hasn't seen the video of Morstead talking to to go check it out. Search for it on YouTube. It's on the NewOrleansSaints.com website. Uh, Just like I said, just super authentic. But we kind of saw moves like this coming, John. We've seen other, you know, another big fan favorite, I think, is Josh Hill, a guy who did everything right for the Saints, tight end. He's been around. He got cut along with Jared Cook. 
We saw Nick Easton, the guard, get cut as well. So the Saints have been doing work on the salary cap. I know you're probably sick of hearing, writing, and talking about the salary cap, John, so I got to apologize. But they've been able to, since we've talked last over the last six, seven days, we're still waiting on the official cap number, but I think they're still projected to be about $44 million over the cap or something I think I saw on, on Spot Track. But that's not as bad as 101, right? $101 million is where it was, so... The Saints, uh, they're doing work, and it doesn't really sound like they're in cap hell, right? they got to make some tough decisions, but they're going to be out of this thing, and we won't be talking about this anymore, the salary cap with the Saints. Yeah, you know, I've been using this uh, reaction image on Twitter a lot. Um, it's come off this clip where he's like, shut up about the sun. Shut up about the cap. <laughs> Seriously, you've got to be sick about it right now, man. you got to be sick of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like you said, we're, we're, already, we're already halfway there. I know that the NFL Players Union is angling to get the, get the cap formalize after these TV broadcast deals go through, in which case the cap would be significantly higher uh, than the $180 million floor that they've already agreed to with the NFL ownership. We'll see if it happens. It, from the sounds and the reports coming out, this thing could come down to the to the wire on the 15th. Um, it could potentially happen any minute. We just don't know. We're all kind of on standby here. But, yeah, the Saints, uh, depending on where you look, there's a lot of conflicting information out right now. There's different data. People are working with different sources. There's somewhere between 44 and 48 million over the cap for now. And like you said, that's better than 101. There's still plenty of moves to make. They've already started with some of the easier levers to pull earlier from like a, gosh, just a, a practical point of view, I, I guess. Cause it's certainly not easy to tell guys who have been here as long as Thomas Morstead and Josh Shield that they need to clean out their locker. <laughs> That's not no an doubt. easy thing to do. No doubt. Um, those guys, are, they're, they're fan favorites, and they're also favorites to Sean Payton and the Saints coaching staff. Um, Josh Hill is somebody he's described as the front door of the offense because if you don't have him, then it's like having the front door of your house ripped off. And so you've got to just, um, man, just adjust and figure out a way to make it work. And they've had to do that in recent years in games when he's been injured. And now they're going to figure out how to make it work without him and elevating uh, second year uh, Dayton University, Dayton tight end uh, Adam Troutman to the starting lineup. Saints fans love him. They know all the little things he does. People outside of the New Orleans probably have barely heard of Josh Hill because he doesn't get the fantasy stats and all that. But, you know, definitely a player that's going to be missed. There is one thing I want to say about Josh Hill because it will it will be brought up to us if we don't mention it. Yeah, do it. And there, there is one thing that Saints fans hold against him, and it's not his fault. Um, <laughs> back in, I believe it was the 2013-2014 season, the Saints were playing the New York Jets. Uh, they were in Jets territory. Uh, they, they went for it on the fourth and two, I believe. Uh, with a very bizarre tight end sweep uh, with with Josh Hill running the end around, taking the handoff and getting a drop for a loss of yards or fourth down. Um, Most bizarre play in, (laughs) possibly most bizarre play in Sean Payton's history, coaching the Saints, one of his weirdest play calls ever. And that is still held against Josh Hill, despite all of the the positive things he's done since then. Um, It's still kind of a... A point of contention in the fan base. So, yeah, Josh will be missed. Um, but that, again, that's one of the anecdotes that is kind of going out the door with them. And I'm, I'm glad we had some time to kind of salute him for it. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Yeah, Josh Hill on the edge. That's exactly what I think of when I think of Josh Hill, right? Get, get him on the edge on fourth and two. So, moves, the Saints are making moves. They got more to come. And you can't help but think, John. What's next? You know, like what's coming next? And I actually had put a couple names down just researching for the pod. I put a couple names down and then. These two names actually showed up as potential trade guys, guys that the team could look to trade or, or put on the trade block. So I want to get your take on each of these guys because I thought maybe they get cut, but maybe the team could move them. 
The first one is running back Latavius Murray. Now, there's a chance the team could go out and find a cheaper option behind Kamara. It's not like cutting Murray is going to save you a ton of money against the cap. I think Murray, you know, he's not making I think he's making like, what, $4 million a year or something. I think he's producing in line with his contract, but you could probably find a cheaper back behind Kamara. So that's the first name I wanted to get your take on is, is Murray. What do you think about that? Them either cutting or trading him, you know, just moving on from Murray. Yeah, I think it makes sense financially because you can get a running back in the draft who can probably produce at a similar, similar level to him whose overall contract, like all four years of the rookie contract, will equal uh, what the Saints are paying Murray for, ju- for just this year alone. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, especially behind someone like Alvin Kamara, who is going to dominate catches. You, know, they, you really need to change your pace back. Um, the popular conspiracy in Saints Twitter right now is that the Saints are going to trade or cut Murray and then sign Mark Ingram to bring him home and, <laughs> and see, if he, see if he still has any juice left. Um, I don't know that, that that's in the cards. I haven't heard anything um, concrete about that. Uh, but it would make sense because, you know, Mark knows the system. He's obviously popular in New Orleans, and he did get the payday from Baltimore that he was wanting. Sure. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. But if you look at the names that have been mentioned as trade candidates for, for the Saints, uh, the big four would be would be Murray's one, uh, wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders is another, and then we have two two defensive starters in those tackle Malcolm Brown and linebacker Quan Alexander. I don't know that either of those two defenders are going to draw much attention on the trade market because those tackles are not highly valued. And Alexander is coming off of an Achilles injury. So I don't know that the Saints can move either one of them, um, but it's good that they're at least trying before uh, releasing those guys as cap casualties. Uh, the one I am watching who might be able to bring in some significant draft uh, returns would be Sanders because he's been a very highly sought-after player. He was traded last season for multiple mid-round draft picks uh, from the Broncos to the 49ers and the NFL world saw how impactful he was in Kyle Shanahan's offense all the way up to the Super Bowl. Uh, this past offseason, when the Saints signed him, he picked the Saints over offers from the Green Bay Packers, from the Buffalo Bills, and he had other teams calling at the time that he signed with New Orleans. So he, I think he's, st- he's still in demand, even though he kind of had a down year with the Saints. Uh, he's someone who should be coveted you know, league-wide. I think every offense would like to add someone like him as their second or third or fourth wide receiver on the depth chart. So we just need to wait and see if the Saints can manage to flip that into a trade package, potentially. Yeah, I think Mandy Sanders is a name that I'm hearing a lot now, John. And I think part of that is because Saints fans want to see more of Deontay Harris, right? I think he he showed that when he when he gets the targets, he can produce. And if you move on from Manny Sanders, get some draft picks or whatever, now you're opening up more opportunity for a guy like Deontay. And that's that's got to be what Saints fans are pulling for. Yes, Deontay Harris, it's Mark West Calloway. There's several young sure, receivers yep. on the depth chart who fans, who fans and, and the coaches, to be honest, won't see more from. They won't these guys get more opportunities. Um, another one to, to remember is Will Jordan Humphrey, who called a touchdown in the playoffs, I believe. They're on the best of coverage in the red zone. He's got good size. He's been on the team for two years now. Uh, he's somebody who could who could benefit from Sanders uh, getting traded, get, getting released, opening that spot on the depth chart. So, you know, they have these, these young guns, and they really want to let these guys get some reps. And moving Sanders, bringing in some draft picks, that's a way to make that happen. So some interesting stuff right there. And I want to do this on the other side because John's been tweeting and writing about restructures. And we've seen a couple Saints, big-name Saints players get reworked contracts and Cam Jordan and Demario Davis. 
But what exactly does that mean? What does restructuring a, a contract mean for the player? What does it mean for the team? John's been explaining this over the last couple of days, and it's been helping me. I don't think I freaking knew what the hell this me- meant all the way around, John, or I had a, a different idea of what it meant. So I want to get you to kind of explain that for us. I like think this, this could be a good piece of content. We'll do that coming up next. Restructured contracts, a really good topic that I think a lot of us hear about a lot but don't maybe fully understand because there's a lot of moving parts to it. John, you've been writing about this. You've been tweeting about it. I think I kind of understand this whole situation. I, I know that when a player restructures his deal, he still makes his money. It's not a pay cut, as you've been writing in all caps in your articles. But I don't think I fully understand the entire thing and, and how a team can kind of get screwed on the back end if the player doesn't end up panning out if they want to move on from the player. So I, I was hoping you could kind of school us on this whole thing and, and tell us why you've been talking about this topic over the past couple of days. <laughs> yeah, so... Ken Jordan and Demario Davis, they both agreed to restructure their contracts uh, this past Saturday, uh, March 6th. And so from a lot of fans, they interpret that as these players taking a pay cut to help the team. It's not not quite exactly what happened here. So the way a restructure works is the Saints approach a player about converting a large chunk of his base salary into a signing bonus. And then the player gets that signing bonus as a lump sum. He gets the check, he cashes it that day. He gets his money now instead of during the regular season. Now, you can also add in other uh, roster bonuses, things like that, into the restructure to you're just moving money around, basically, for accounting purposes. And the way signing bonuses work is the player gets that money now. So then you take, take that, and this is on the books for the salary cap, and you take that money and it is spread over the remaining years of the contract. So in Cameron Jordan's case, he's under contract for the next three years. So what he did is he reduced his salary uh, all the way down to the veterans minimum of about $1.1 million from the $10 million or so that it was. And he also took his $1.9 million roster bonus. You put all of that together into a signing bonus. He gets the money now. And then you average the payments for that into the salary cap over each of the next three seasons. And so that raises his salary cap hit next year in 2022, again in 2023, and again in 2024. But what that, what that does is it cuts his 2021 salary cap hit in half from $18.9 million all the way down to $9.3 million. So it, it's in the Saints, the team's interest to do these restructures for short-term gains against the cap. It helps them right now in getting more flexibility. They can make more moves. They can get down. Well, in their case, they can get down to cap compliance, much less to get, much less create spending room. Right. But in the player's interest, what happens is he gets he gets a big check now, an additional payday, while also getting uh, you know his base salary to, uh, game week checks during the season. Um, but what also because he has this higher cap hit for future years, with more dead money attached to them. That gives him more job security. The Saints cannot release or trade Cam Jordan at this point and create salary cap space uh, in doing so until like 2023, 2024. So he, he has job security for the next two years, and that's very much in his interest as someone who turns 32 this summer and who's just who only had seven and a half sacks last year after having 10 plus each of the previous uh, three years. So you have a couple scenarios here. If Jordan continues to um, decline. He continues to not play as well, not be as productive. 
the Saints are stuck with his contract until 2023, essentially. And so this way, he it, it just it helps him by giving him more security. Um, and on the flip side, if he rebounds, if he continues to play well, and this isn't an issue. No, 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 one is think, no one in New Orleans is thinking about his cap hit. If he's going out and, and having 10 to 12 sacks a year, everything's fine. So there is some risk involved here in approaching a you know an aging defender who's coming off of a down year um, and then tying yourself to him a little bit tighter. Uh, but this is something the Saints have done for a long time. And it is, in effect, kicking the can down the road. What a lot of salary cap analysts miss is that the road is paying for the can if the salary cap is continuing to increase and eat the difference there. So if these new broadcast contracts go through, if we get the 17th uh, regular season games, if fans can return to the stadiums this fall, then we're going to see the salary cap get back where it was, where it's expected to be, and it's going to eat those losses, and the Saints will be in much better standing than they currently are. I'm not as worried about 2021 as I am 2022 just because there's uncertainty about if those things will actually happen, where the cap will get back where it's supposed to be. Uh, but for now, the Saints are fine, and I fully expect them to be competitive in 2021. So the light bulb went on listening to you explain that about the part of this that I, I don't think I've ever been 100% as clear on is when you write about how teams can have a harder time moving on from a player they restructure if they see a steep decline in that player, right? If that player starts playing poorly, they want to move on from the player, it gets harder to do so. And I was like, why is that, right? And I think it's the same reason why we see a cap hit be larger than the player's salary, right? So if we're looking at 2022, if we see this big cap hit, but only, their salary's like a lot less than that, it's because their deal was probably restructured and the, and the dead money's moved over. So do I have that right? Is that, I think the light bulb just went on. Yeah, exactly. So in Cameron Jordan's case, let me pull up his contract here. This will take just a sec. So in Cam Jordan's case, he restructured his contract. So now in 2022, he has a cap hit of $22.6 million. His base salary that year is 13.6, but he has that prorated bonus, that signing bonus is all the way up over 8 million. And that $8 million is fully guaranteed. Nothing you can do about it. It's on the books. Uh, but you could kick the can down the road with another restructure or an extension. At the, but at that point, he's already $22 million over. So you may as well just eat it. Uh, 2023, uh, his cap number is, is $23.1 million. And that is the first time where, you know, we could get out of this deal if we need to. Because uh, only $13 million of it is guaranteed. And most of that is the signing bonus. So you could say, okay, we'll take the $13 million dead money hit. Um, but we're saving $9.9 million. If, if, if at that point, you know, if Jordan, if he's totally fallen off, if he's not effective anymore, that is when you can release him and save money. Um, and that's the danger with these with doing these restructures. That, that's the risk you take. But if the difference is not being cap compliant or having an added risk to one of your key players in a few years, then you just kind of have to bite the bullet on that and, take it and deal with it. I got to tell you, I got into journalism, John, because math, it just, my head hurts. I have the popsicle headache just do, just doing this, but that makes a ton of sense. And you, <laughs> you can, you can see why the saints are all this money over the cap. And it seems like this huge deal and everyone's worried about it, but it really isn't that big a deal because you, what this really is on the face of it is just a way for them to manipulate that cap number and, you know, fix issues they might have. So yeah, you're 70 million over the cap. We'll restructure some contracts. We'll move some players and we'll get cap compliant just by restructuring deals. So that's really all this is. You're just manipulating the salary cap number to get compliant. And, and that's what it is. So the salary cap, it really doesn't mean you're in jail. You're not in cap jail. So don't let anyone ever tell you that you are. Uh, but 
John, thanks. That was uh, that was tremendous, tremendous stuff. And definitely check out John's articles on the uh, Saints Wire, like I did, to learn about what these restructures mean. Uh, I want to leave the people with this, John. We've heard a lot about Marcus Williams being the Saints' number one priority, and we're waiting here. We're anxiously waiting to see if the Saints are going to place the franchise tag on him, given the situation, given the fact that they're still sh- kind of shredding money and trying to you know get cap compliant. I don't know if a franchise tag is in play. That's going to be interesting. We talked about that a little bit last week. But the question I had for you is, what should be their top priority? If they had to pick one guy, would you rather them go after Marcus Williams or would you rather them go at Jameis Winston? Now, I know both of them. We're hoping they'll both be back. When we're talking about the number one priority, should it be Williams or should it be Winston? Like, what's your gut feeling on that? Oh, it's tough, man. Um, (laughs) My read on the situation is that Marcus Williams is priority number one in the sense that his deal is going to be more complicated. His deal is going to take more money. It's going to take more negotiating to get it to hammer it out. Uh, It's going to be more expensive. And so you're going to need to put more time and attention into that than with Jameis Winston, where with Jameis, it's a case of, okay, uh, you want to be a starter. What teams are out there that can offer you the starting job or a competition for a starting job? Um, okay, have any of those teams given you interest? No? Okay, well, here's our offer. Uh, if you want it, come and get it um, because you know what we can offer you here. And, and, and it's you or Taysom Hill in training camp, and you saw him go out and have his four starts, and he's someone that you are probably confident that you can beat in a training camp uh, battle. So let's, let's uh, get it handled. But Marcus Williams, because he there, because there are because there are more – starting job openings uh, free safety than a quarterback. He's someone that I think is going to get more attention on the free agent market. He's someone who is definitely going to command a higher price tag. Yeah, no um, doubt. He's going to have a market. You know what I mean? They're, teams are going to be off. I was just talking to Marcus Mosher of the Raiders Wire, and he's salivating over the chance for the Raiders to go get Marcus Williams if he's available. Yeah, uh, the, Ra- the Raiders wouldn't surprise me. Um, they're, they're a team I pointed to as a uh, potential landing spot for, for Marcus Williams a few weeks ago. The team I'm really watching is is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, and there's someone who they, right now they don't have a free safety on the contract right now, and they they can offer Marcus, Marcus you know 1,100 snaps right out of the gate, um, playing in a scheme that has made similar players uh, look tremendous in college at the college level. Uh, if you, you look look at Malik Booker at Ohio State and Urban Myers defense in college. Um, he, yep. Yeah, I mean Urban he could pull up the Hooker's. Uh, highlight reel and say hey this could be you um that's actually a player that's actually a player i've heard of because my wife's uh, a big buckeyes fan so i've actually heard i actually know that player so that's good i feel good about myself all right <laughs> well on top of that the jags have more cap space than anybody so they can say hey whatever the saints want we can eat it i mean yeah. whatever they want to pay you we can we can we can beat that offer right so um if marcus williams gets to free agency i don't know that the saints can uh, can, can bring him can bring him back. So to me, that that's priority number one. Um, at the same time, I understand the counter argument where you know quarterback is the most position, the most important position, excuse me, in football. And it wouldn't shock me at all if there are proponents of going after Jameis first and then hoping you, you can keep Marcus Williams. And if not, well, you know, you draft a rookie, you, you resign T.J. Williams, who cross trained at free safety last year. Um, and you say, hey, you, you, you two figure it out. Uh, you, you go out there and see who can start. 
Um, so there are other ways the Saints can take this, but if it's me, if, I, if I'm the one making the decisions here, if I'm the one calling the shots, then, you know, we've got a week uh, to re- re- re-sign Marcus Williams before free agency opens up, and at that point, he's gone. Next week at this time, we could be reacting to moves in real time, John, which will be kind of fun because at this time next week, we're recording on a Monday. At this time next week on the 15th is when that legal tampering thing happens, which is just really this thing the NFL created so Adam Schefter and Ann Rappaport could break all the news of where free agents are going. And it won't won't take long on Monday night next week for us to hear who's going where we'll know the fran- hopefully we know the franchise tag thing by then i know that could get delayed because we're still waiting on this freaking salary cap number to, the official number to come out and i'm hearing the, the rumors that it might get delayed but it could be a fun little show next week so we got we got to be ready to be on our toes and like you know have twitter open and be reacting in real time that could be a good time yeah we need those notifications set um you know, uh, rat, rat sheet and yeah. and uh, Schefter, they're, they're they're going to be the top two, but don't don't sleep on Jay Glazer now. Um, Jay does not really, you know, Jay is at a point in his career where he doesn't have to be in on every little transaction that happens. Um, he only really tweets if, he, if something big is going down, like oh I don't know, Odell Beckham being, being traded from the Giants <laughs> yes. to, to the Browns, or Jimmy Graham being traded to Seattle. I mean, that that's really what Jay does. And I've said this on the show before, but he has a direct line to Sean Dayton. I mean, those are. They're BFFs. They hang out all the time. Um, and if he's if Jake Glazer is reporting Saints news, it's coming directly from Sean Payton himself. So uh, that, that'll be one to keep an eye on um, Monday afternoon and all the way uh, through to the start of the new league year on the 17th. So it should be a fun show. Uh, maybe we'll get a Russell Wilson trade in there. That, that would be sweet. That would be sweet. You know what? I didn't drop your trade uh, your trade proposal yet on the show. I might save that thing. You know, you could you could go and see it. You could go see it on Saints Wire, but maybe we'll save the Russell Wilson trade that John proposed. So if that actually does happen, or if there's actually some steam there, we can bring that thing out, and we'll see how close John is. John made a pretty good little offer for Russell Wilson, uh, so we'll see. But we'll, we'll, we're going to sit on that, John. But man, I'm excited. It's going to be a good time next week. News will be breaking, and uh, we'll be all over it. So for John Sigler, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to y'all next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.